You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. I recall the first time I heard the phrase woke. <laughs> I heard it from my daughter, Kristen. And she was talking about some things that were happening on her campus. And uh, this was before she had decided that she was going to to pledge and, and to pledge Delta, which her mom and her sister had pledged. But I just remember the phrase was she was talking about the Deltas and some of their activities. And she just said really simply, yeah, yeah, they woke. They woke. I said, what, what did, what did you say? <laughs> she said, yeah, I'm saying they woke. And so the context helped me out, obviously, but I really, I really like that, that phrase. It kind of reminded me of the same phrase from one of my favorite Spike Lee movies, Do the Right Thing. And you remember that, that in Do the Right Thing, the theme was to fight the power. And, 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 and we, we, we remember, uh, Rosie Perez looking like she was getting ready to break her back, you know, fighting the power and doing that dance, but it was about fighting the power. And there was a character that was in, in their play by Giancarlo, Giancarlo Esposito called Bugging Out. Bugging Out was the consciousness of the block. He was the one who was woke. He was the one with the medallion. He was the one that was the organizing the boycott of Sal's famous pizza because he said, we need to get some brothers up on the wall. And we're not going to spend any more good money in Sal's until we get some brothers up on that wall of fame. And so Mookie, who was played by Spike Lee, basically told him, bugging out, man, you, you, you messing, you messing me up. You know, you need to, you know, chill on all of that. He's like, no, but we need to get some black people on the walls. And Mookie was like, I don't have time for this right now. And as he was getting ready to walk into the restaurant, bugging out, looked and they said, yo, Mook, stay black. As if Mookie had a choice to do anything else. I remember when growing up, we'd always say there's only two things I got to do is stay black and die. That those only, I can tell you those two things we will be able to do stay black and die. And so him saying, Mookie, stay black, it was really the precursor to saying the exact same thing. Mookie, I know you're getting ready to go in the South. I know that's where you get your money. I know there's some things that are happening in there, but you need to be uh, uh, aware of what's going on in your surroundings. And I need you to stay black, which now translate, I need you to stay woke. Because there's so much change and turmoil going on in the world, and we can't afford to mess up this moment as as black folks. And so, so we're saying, listen, you you gotta don't just be woke. You you gotta not just get woke. You gotta stay woke because the landscape is changing so quickly, and resources are being allocated and moved. And there's a lot of light and heat on certain things, even in, in my sphere, in in financial uh, places, and in, in investments, and in private equity. People are saying we want to allocate to to black managers and we want to see some real things happening so hey listen stay woke you got to be able to stay woke but if you think the admonition to stay woke is something that's recent you're wrong the admonition to stay woke has been in scripture 
since it's recorded in Ephesians 6 right here, since it's recorded in Matthew chapter 26, when Jesus was telling his disciples in the garden of Gethsemane, he said, this, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He said, why are you all falling asleep? He literally said to them, stay woke. <laughs> I need you to be praying. I need you to stay woke. And so here in Ephesians chapter 6, <clears throat> we see that, um, and I'll read it in the, in the King James, I'm just more familiar with it. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So we're not talking about here. The Bible's not talking about being woke culturally. The Bible is not talking about being woke, uh, um, excuse me, <clears throat> politically. It's not cultural. It's not political. It's not social. It's not racial. There is an even more important imperative for you and for me to be woke and it's to be woke spiritually. That's the, to, to say that you're woke spiritually means that you have an understanding, beloved, of the imprint of the invisible on the visible. You've got an understanding of the imprint and the impact of the what? invisible on the visible the spiritual on the physical when you are woke that means you understand that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down down of strongholds and the casting down of imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of Christ and being into captivity bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ that's woke being woke means that you say, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you might be able to take your stand against the devil's schemes. Because we uh, wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. you got to be alert. you got to stay black. you got to stay woke. Because there's a battle that's raging. And as we just we're reminded with Jehoshaphat, the enemy is bringing the battle to you whether you want it or not. It reminds me of one of my favorite songs by the Fugees, Ready or Not, Here I Come, You Can't Hide, Gonna Find You. And an enemy is saying, and make you fight me. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. I'm gonna find you and make you fight me. Now he not, the enemy not saying it as sweet as Lauren Hill is saying it. He's saying it with a real deadly undertone. Ready or not, here I come. I don't care if you haven't had a time to hide. We're not supposed to be hiding anyway, but that was a game we played which like, ready or not, it's on. That's the enemy. That's our situation. So you better get ready. and You got to be able to wield the sword of the word and all the things that talk about in the arm of God. All the things that we very recently, I say four years ago, when we were talking about spiritual warfare, it's, it's back in this passage because it's but it's important because there is a uh, we need to rely on our kingdom supply. And one of the things that we talk about in terms of kingdom supply, it was the we talked about the word of God. We but we also and we talked about those close encounters of the fourth kind of word of God, that rhema word where you got to be familiar with the situation. You got to be familiar with the source and most importantly, familiar with the savior. We talked about the armor of God. We talked about the, the word of God. Then we spent time in the last couple of weeks talking about warfare praise. The story of the scar and praise is what I do. 
But now we want to talk about warfare prayer. Amen. It's a weapon that we have. It is a it's something that God has given us in terms of kingdom supply and the enemy is coming ready or not. He's coming and you have a obligation. You have an imperative, a command here in scripture to be woke. He says, and praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And here's the second part and watching there unto with all perseverance and supplication for all stakes. A saints, the apostle Paul wants to let us know what the stakes are. And just like Mookie looked at, uh, bugging out, looked at Mookie and said, hey, Mook, stay black. The Apostle Paul said, hey, hey, Pastor Mark, hey, stay woke. I need you praying and watching. How important is it to pray and watch? That really is everything that there is in terms of the relationship, the relationships of the Christian life. The cross really represents the vertical and the horizontal. The praying is the relationship with God. And the horizontal is the relationship with others. Praying, watching. I like to think that there needs to be a a coordinated effort around that. Those of you who enjoy football know That the quarterback is the one on offense that has the headphones in his his helmet and he's coordinating with the offensive coordinator that's usually in a skybox so he can see the field. And they're constantly what? Making adjustments. Plays are being called by the offensive coordinator. But the the quarterback is there and he's looking out over the line of scrimmage and he's seeing different defensive for, formations and he sees that, wait a minute, they've overloaded this side. <laughs> and the blitz is coming, ready or not. And so to be able to make those adjustments while you're at the line of scrimmage, you got to be able to pray and watch. It's a it's an interplay. It's a symbiotic relationship. It's so important that the Apostle Paul says you got to be able to pray and you got to be able to watch. So here's what I want to do. I just want to tell you why prayer is important. And then I want to tell you why watching is important. When the Apostle Paul says this, he says praying Always, that first thing is it reveals the need. It really emphasizes for us when he says praying, that reveals our dependency. Come on, somebody, on the Lord. I just mentioned to you and affirmed that 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 relationship is here. Prayer is is really about the relationship you have with God. So when you pray, you are revealing that you have a dependency. What on? God, amen, you have a dependency on God. I will look to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I need to be and you need to be in a position where you are praying every situation, every uh, instance. And really that word in the Greek means that there's an action that involves worship and devotion. Amen. You, you, you have to understand who you're praying to. You have to understand who you are. And again, your humility, beloved, gives you access to his capability. If you think you have it all together, you'll never pray. 
Because prayer reveals that you have a dependency on God. If you want to be independent and you want to make choices away from God or you don't think you need God, you'll never pray. Most people, when they do start to pray, even if they're not believers, it's because they are in crisis situations and they treat God like the fire alarm that says, in case of emergency, break glass. That's not how God wants to be treated. Because how many times have we broken the glass and, and, and pulled the fire alarm? Very few times. And at this church, in this situation, we've never done that. So again, God doesn't want to be treated like he's behind gl- glass. And folks treat him like that. They'll, they'll get really spiritual. They may even tell you because they're in your circle of influence. I know that you pray. Throw up a prayer for my, my mom or my dad or I'm going through this or that. I don't know. You know him better than I do, so I'm telling you. You know how many times I've heard that? And I remind people, yeah, I will pray for you. But you do know. You, you, you can shout them out directly yourself. It's just about relationship. Dependency on God. Praying intermittently or just when you feel like it or have the time. Is that what the apostle Paul says here? He says praying always. Dear God, praying always. That reveals the frequency with the time. When is the right time to pray? Or better yet, when is the wrong time to pray? If you looked at First Thessalonians 5 and 17, you would be encouraged. I hope that First Thessalonians 5, 17 says, Pray without ceasing. That's the frequency without ceasing in every situation in your life. There's never a bad time to pray when you wake up. Should you pray? Yes, you should. You should pray. You should pray. Should you pray? Now, if all you do throughout the day is just pray over your food, you're missing out. And and if all you got for God is the bless the food and then you got the now you lay me down to sleep. If that's if that's where your prayer life is, you're missing out. There's a frequency step up that you need. You should be praying about every each Listen, each and every situation in your life requires prayer because that shows your dependency. But but your dependency also it, there's a reminder of the frequency. The frequency actually helps you to understand how dependent you need to be on God in every situation. Matter of fact, in, in Nehemiah chapter chapter two, when when it, it says that Nehemiah was before in the presence of the king and the king has said why does your face look so sad when you're not ill this can be nothing but sadness of heart and he says I was very much afraid but I said to the king may the king live forever why should my face not be sad when my father's uh, 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 city lays in ruin and its gates have been burned with fire and the king said to me what is it you want and I love this Nehemiah said then I prayed to the God of heaven Now, the king is waiting for an answer to the question. So Nehemiah can't hop up in the prayer closet real tough and say, I'll be right back. I got to go pray. He, I believe he just said, help. I need your help. Just can't make it 
without your help. That that quick prayer. Have you ever had a quick prayer before an interview, before a challenge, and when you just all you can say is the name of Jesus, Amen? Because that just reveals that I, I need to depend on you. But I will tell you this: if you look at Nehemiah chapter one, you'll see that Nehemiah had fasted and prayed for many days you'll see nehemiah's prayer in nehemiah one and 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 how he spent all of that time praying and praying and praying so again when you have a relationship with god and there's a dependency on god you will pick up your frequency amen and so even in a situation where he was already prepared you would think i know what i want to do he did but he still paused and said help me lord because i need to answer the king The Apostle Paul would tell you, praying always. He said it in First Thessalonians, pray without what? Ceasing. And here he says, praying always. Dear, the dependency on God, on the Lord is revealed when he says pray. But the frequency of the time is revealed when he says pray always. And how can you pray? How should you pray? This should be of great encouragement to you and to me. He says, with all prayers and supplications. Would it have been interesting if he said, pray always, but don't really bother God except for a few things. Don't bother God except for things that rise to this level or in this area. That is not what the scripture says. He says you can pray and, and talk to God all the time about literally whatever it is that's on your on your heart. That reveals not just the dependency on the on the Lord. That doesn't just reveal the what the, the frequency with your time. This reveals the urgency from your heart. He says, tell me what's on your heart. When you want to talk to Jesus, you very simply do it because he knows just what you need. You don't have to worry about special words or phrases for he all knows your very thoughts between. He knows he cares. He hears. He cares when you want to talk to Jesus, when anytime you want to talk to Jesus, here's an encouragement here with all prayers and supplications. And it's specific and it's particular and it's personal. He said, bring me everything that you want to talk about. And you know what? Even if you're bringing me things that that you that you want to ask me about that are inappropriate because of our relationship, I'll begin to work that out with you. So I'll help you to understand some of the things you might be asking asking for as it says in James chapter 4 you might be asking amiss the scripture says that you might be that you might consume it upon your your own lust but he says listen ask me and because of relationship we will work that thing out so that you begin to ask me for 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 what I want to give you you'll begin to have this exchange where you bring me everything but then you'll start to realize as we get closer together that some things you're asking about I'm just not going to do that it's inappropriate it's it's inappropriate because you got the it, it's it's not the right fit it's not the it's not the right focus but I still want you to tell me everything i remember being i remember being a a a a, a kid and and some of the things that i would literally ask god for it just as it turns they just weren't they weren't appropriate it just wasn't 
you know, I, I, I got this, I got to this place where when it, you talk about even about uh, forgiveness for the Lord, I thought it was a good idea to just say, Lord, forgive me for everything that I have ever done and that I ever what? Will do. Now we done with that. So again, I was like, the frequency? We don't need to talk about that anymore. I'm covered. So let me just go out and do my thing. I think God told me, it's like, yeah, that's not how that what? That's not how that works. That, that, that's not how it should be. And I remember very, very specifically being a young man and, and I wanted not just an Atari. You can't even imagine. I, the, the the thing that was out at the time that was even better than Atari it just come, it was the the Mattel and, and and television, the Mattel the Mattel system, and I asked the Lord specifically again. I mean, I don't think I had any basis for this. It wasn't like I was relying on Ephesians six. I just wanted it, and I was just like, Lord, and see, I would always set it up wrong to Lord if you're Lord. Come on, some. If you're God, if 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 we really, if we are really close, here's what I need. I need to get that Mattel in television. That's that's what I have to have. I would even do things to God, like we'd be in the park and and I'm trying to shoot baskets and and I'm missing. And I would say things to God, like if you're really God, if you really love me, I will hit this next shot. And when it would clank off the rim, God would tell me, you just need to keep practicing. That is not what I talk about when I say, bring me all of it, all of your needs. And if you ask it and I would do everything. And this was always the catch because you always would hear if you ask in Jesus name. So if I would I would tack on in Jesus name on the back of anything. Lord, I need to get that Mattel in television. In Jesus name. Lord, if you're God, and I, I, I will hit this next shot in Jesus' name. That's that's not how it works, and for a, a number of reasons, there there's some principles that go into asking in His name. But God wants you to bring Him what you have. God wants to to for you to reveal what's in your heart. But He also wants to, in the exchange of your request purify your heart purify your request help you to not have so much of your heart but then to get some of what his heart amen and so that process comes when you began to talk and you began to pray but there's an urgency because it comes out of your heart so pour out your whether it's your eight-year-old heart to god or at my age, my 54-year-old heart to God. He knows what's in your heart anyway. Begin to talk to him about it. Praying always with all prayers and supplications. Woo! How? In the spirit. Watch out. Watch out. Because now we're not just talking dependency on the Lord. We're not just talking about frequency with your time. We're not just talking about the urgency from your heart. Now we're talking about agency. Agency of the spirit. Agency. Do you understand what I mean when I say agency is through the spirit? You and I need to be praying. We need to be praying in the spirit. And so 
let me let me give you the let me give you the example. This I'm I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm excited, but I just am. I'm sorry. Look at Romans chapter eight and start at verse twenty five. It and and when you see that, listen, it, it says, but if. For we are saved, verse 24, but we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he hope for? But if we hope for what we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. Amen. So that's what we're doing. And it says, but likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. Amen. There's an acknowledgement right there that we don't know what we're doing when it comes to prayer. We don't know how to pray. We really don't. We can be instructed on prayer, but again, our hearts get in the in the middle of this thing. And so literally here we have the spirit that helpeth us with our infirmities, but we don't know how to. But the spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart knoweth what is the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And just to finish that, it says, and we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. This is the bonus track, y'all. I am, I'm gonna take it back to, to, to the agency of the spirit, but look in that passage and realize that there are three folks that are represented. It's us, it's the spirit, and it's God the Father. We are hoping for good. The spirit is praying for good. And our heavenly father is working for good. You talk about full coverage. You're hoping for good. The spirit is praying for good. And then the hev- our heavenly father is actually the one who is working for good. So when we talk about praying in the spirit, we need to pray with the example that the, that we have about how does the Holy Spirit pray on our behalf? How does he intercede with groanings that cannot be uttered? But he says he does it with the mind of the spirit and he does it according to the will of God. So when it talks about you and me praying in the spirit, we need to be praying the will of God back to him. We need to understand. Understand the will of God. We need to discover the will of God. Excuse me. Discover it. We need to understand it. We need to apply it in our prayers. We need to be praying the will of God back to him. And I guarantee you, when you and I pray the will of God back to him, whatever it is we're praying about, he will start working for that good. But there's a scrubbing process where we have to get to the place where we began to pray for what the will of God is. And even if that means that, Lord, nevertheless, just like Jesus said, I know what I want. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless. Not my will. I can tell you what I want. I want us to to work together to find a way not to do what I know needs to be done. But he says, I know that's not how this goes. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's the agency of the spirit. That's Romans 8 and 25 through 28. When we are hoping for good, the spirit is praying for good and the father is working for good. All according to the will of God. 
Then the apostle Paul says, I just don't need you to pray. Just like that quarterback that's coming up to the line of scrimmage. I need you to watch. And I need you to watch. And there's four things that are there that I want to emphasize to us around watching. Praying, it was about dependency and frequency and urgency and agency. The watching, I want you to notice the depth of it. I want you to notice the width of it. I want you to notice the length of it. And I want you to notice the breadth of it. Full coverage around watching. That word watch in the Greek is a word that literally means without sleep. Stay awake. Be sober. Be vigilant. Stay woke. You got, you and I have to do what? We got to stay woke. But isn't that exactly what Jesus told his disciples in, in Matthew chapter 26? So now we can kind of look, look at that when, when he was, when they were with him in the garden of Gethsemane and Jesus went to his disciples to a place called the Gethsemane. He said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter. James and John along with them, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Stay woke. He went a little further and he prayed. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. He said, could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? I just, an hour, brothers, an hour. Watch. I literally need you to stay awake. I'm trying to get some things done over here in prayer, and I need you to watch with me. Amen? He said, I understand, though. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away a second time and prayed, My father, it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it. May your will be done. And when he came back, he found them again sleeping because their eyes were heavy. See, this time, he didn't even wake them up. He said, so he left them and went away once more and prayed, saying the same thing. When he returned to the disciples, he said, are you still sleeping? Come on, let's go. Rise, let us go. Here comes the betrayer. Ready or not, here he comes. You got to get up because now we got a different, we got a different situation in front of us. But that is so much how we are. I'm trying to help us to understand the stakes here watching and trust me out of everybody i understand these stakes because that same greek word is used in hebrews 13 and 17 when it says obey your leaders and submit to their authority they keep watch over you as men who must give an account I have watched over your souls because I am your pastor. That that watching means that I'm not supposed to be asleep. I'm not supposed to take time off. That watching never stops. I got to keep my head on a swivel because I have to understand what's happening. I got to see the game. I got to see how things are progressing. We got to be able to make adjustments. There's praying and there's watching. You're doing them both at the same time. It's so important to watch. And the depth of the watching has everything to do with this. 
you're waiting and looking out for the enemy. Amen. You got to be able to see what the enemy is doing and be able to adjust. You got to be able to watch. Can you imagine if you were in charge of a bouncy house with about 50 kids around it and you decided that you were going to go take a smoke break and say, I'll be back in like 10 minutes. What would you expect to be happening in and out of that bouncy house? Them kids jumping around, coming in and out. It would literally be a disaster, no doubt. That's why they don't just let you have a, a bouncy house and say, just be have it be unsupervised. No, with a bunch of kids? Are you kidding me? That That's how it really is to have watch over souls. I can't take a, well, I don't smoke, but I can't take a smoke break. Because I could come back and y'all could have torn that bouncy house up and, and people are bleeding and, and, and jumping and people are injured. That's what that's what happens if you and me, if we're not on our jobs. And so he literally says the depth of what I'm trying to tell you is you've got to watch out for the enemy. But but that that doesn't give you the depth of it. What gives you the depth of it is this. Not only are you watching out for your enemy, but you're also watching out for your God because your God will show up. I've seen you move. You move the mountains and I believe I'll see you do it again. And if I want to see you do it again, I got to be watching for you to do it again. You made a way out of no way. And I believe I'll see you do it again. Your promise still stands. Great is thy faithfulness. So again, the watching that you're doing, you're watching for the enemy. Yeah, that's part of it. Ready or not, here he comes. But you also have to know that you are You are connected to the one that can say, I see what the enemy is doing. I got a plan in place to thwart what he's doing. You need to wait for me to move. I'm on my way. And when I show up, I show out. So the watching is, yeah, I'm watching for what you're doing on this plane and in this indivisible. But I'm also watching because I'm woke. I'm watching for what God will do. And when God does what only God does, things change. So I'm watching. I'm watching. Like Moses in Exodus 14. Stand still and do what? See the deliverance. Like Jehoshaphat. You will not have to fight this battle. The battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. So stand still. Calm down. I got you. And so that's what watch. That's why watching is so important. You have to be bear witness to the majesty, power, grace, mercy and strength of our God. And when he moves the mountains and he does it again, you better be ready to let everybody else know what your God has done. So watching. With what? It says, and watching therefore. Right? Excuse me. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto. That word thereunto shows you the width of the watching. And what do I mean by width? I mean that it's side by side. 
you're doing it alongside the praying. Amen. There's an interplay. That's the watching there unto. It's not just pray or watch. Beloved, it's what? Pray and watch. It's not as if you stop praying. There's all, cause what? The frequency is you're supposed to be praying without ceasing. We're praying always. So again, he's saying you gotta add some watching to your praying because you're going to be getting information revelation from your God on how you need to adjust in the current circumstances that you're in. So you pray and you watch and then you watch and you pray and you go back and forth and you let God know what's going. Not that he doesn't know, but you let God know what's going on in your situation and you see what's happening. But then he says, because you prayed to me, I'm going to make adjustments just like you make adjustments on that line. No, you move the tight end. Come over here. I see what's happening. I know, but you got to pray and you have to watch. Your head is on a swivel, praying and watching. That's the width of it. You do it the same time you're doing the praying. And he says, you do it with all perseverance and supplication. That's the length of it. How far will you go? When you pray and when you watch. Let, let me, let me tell you this. One of our favorite verses, most believers, is in James chapter five, when it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed what? Earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. Let me just tell you this. James 5 lets us know that he prayed earnestly for rain. Because when you look at 1 Kings chapter 17, it literally is the first time they mention Elijah. Elijah the Tishbite, he hops up on the scene and he says very simply, it will not rain again in this area from heaven except by my word. And it's like, who is this guy? That's Elijah the Tishbite, man. Amen. But the scripture says here he, he prayed earnestly and we see how he prayed earnestly on the way in. Beloved, he prayed earnestly on the way out. In first Kings chapter 18, this is after the showdown on the Mount ground with the prophets of Baal and, and, and the, and the prophets of Ashtoreth. And he says, Elijah told Ahab, go eat and drink for there is the sound of heavy rain. And he went off and did it. And the scripture says that Elijah climbed to the mount of the top of Mount Carmel and bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. He was not hyperventilating, beloved. He was praying. And he told his servant, go and look toward the sea. And his servant went and looked. There's nothing there. Seven times Elijah said, go back. 
You know that servant's running back and forth. He's out of breath. He's like, Elijah, trust me, this is the fifth time you've asked me. There is nothing there. But Elijah said, go back. The essence of watch. God told me there's a sound of rain. I don't see any evidence of it yet, but go back, go back, go back. He got to persevere. That's the perseverance. Go back, go back and look. And the seventh time he comes, he says, ah, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. It started out small, but Elijah was like, because I was watching, I was praying. You were watching. We're praying and watching because I've already handled through God has already handled my enemy. Now I'm waiting to see what my God will do. But when you're waiting to see what God will do, you might have to persevere and be earnest. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. It's not that that it's, it's about what Elijah was doing. There's a fervency. There's an urgency. There's a perseverance that he has to have. He says, I know my God will come through. He did it before. He'll do it again. He told me that I was able to make a pronouncement that it won't rain again except by my word. Now it's his opportunity to show up and show out. And he's like, can you imagine? I went and looked. I already told Ahab is coming. I went back, back and forth, two times, three times, five times, six times. I've already had to deal with this in First Kings chapter 17 when I raised that boy back from the dead and I had to pray and stretch three times to see that happen. So I'm thinking maybe three times is the outer limit. But I went to four and five and six and seven and he says, yep, this last time. I see a cloud as small as a man's hand rising up. And you know what Elijah said? It's on. It's on. And you got to have some perseverance like Elijah had. Perseverance in prayer. You got to be earnest on the way in. And beloved, you got to be earnest on the way out. And last but not least, it says you and I are supposed to be praying and watching for only ourselves and those that we hold dear. No, that's not what the scripture says. And watching thereon too with perseverance and supplication for all saints. All saints. First Peter 5 says, be sober, be vigilant for our adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, roameth about seeking whom he may, what? Devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith that the knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. It's about all of us being linked together. And we need to have an expansive praying and watching life cycle that encompasses all saints. And we need to be praying in such a way that it's warfare prayer. This is not, this is not food prayer. This is not bedtime prayer. As the last thing we'll look at just to show you what kind of warfare prayer I'm talking about. I'm talking about we should be praying uh, for, uh, 
salvation for others. We need to be praying for victory over the enemy. We need to be praying for unity among believers, for the removal of demonic harassments, for repentance, for our marriages, for our children, to break yokes of oppression, all of those kinds of things. We need to, we need to have such a comprehensive prayer life. And if you understand, if you're constantly praying, you can't keep talking about the same things. It's not, you can't be begging God for just you. If you have a comprehensive and frequent prayer life, you're going to have to start hitting some other things. Institutional prayers, prayers for our, our, our government, prayers for our, our church and for what you're seeing in the community. I mean, all of that keeps happening. And again, it's warfare type prayer. Amen. That's what God is, is looking for you and for me to have. Amen. And it's really characterized by what we see in Nehemiah. In Nehemiah chapter 4. And I love it. I love it. Because, and we'll close with this. I love it. Because the enemy is present in Nehemiah 4. Sam Ballard heard that we were rebuilding the wall. He became angry. And he says, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Can they bring these stones back to life? Can they, can they, can they, uh, bring them back from the stones of rubble? And Tobiah the Ammonite who was on his side said, what they're building, if a fox climbs up on it, it'll break their walls down. And here it is in verse four. Nehemiah says, hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Come on, somebody. That's a warfare prayer. The enemy's coming, but I want you to do this for us, God. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Oh, this sounds, this sounds like this could be a familiar prayer for an African American. Amen. An African American that's had to deal with a bunch of stuff and the entire time of our sojourn here in America. Say, you know what? Hear us for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. We're on assignment for you. We're building the wall for you. Lord, please get our back because the enemy is coming. And we want to have a prayer that says, turn it around on them so that we can keep doing what you've asked us to do. That's a warfare prayer. And then in Nehemiah. Chapter 4 and verse 9, when the enemy continues to menace, the scripture says, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. What did they do? They prayed and they watched. And Nehemiah could have inserted right there in the, in the urban version of the Bible. Yo, stay woke. Stay woke. And then finally in verse 14, he says, after I looked things over and I stood up and said to the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, fight for your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Hey, fight the power. Hey, fight the power. Fight. Remember the Lord. 
It's not just the enemy you're looking for. You got to remember the Lord who is great and awesome. He's on our side. And so we're going to wait and see what he does. And the scripture says in Nehemiah 6, the wall got finished in 52 days. And the enemy's conclusion was this thing could have only happened by the power of their God. Mm. That's some praying and watching, y'all. All throughout the process. Warfare prayer. Get the enemy up off of us because we got work to do. And we're watching them and we're also watching for you. That's the depth of it. That's the width of it. That's the length of it. That's the breadth of it. Praying and watching. That's a warfare mindset. And our prayers are able to allow us to see the victory that we so desperately want to see. And while we are hoping for good, we know that the spirit is praying for good. And our heavenly father is working for good. Amen.